Our scripture this morning comes from Ruth and Mark. I'll be reading from Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of the wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons were Mylon and Chilion. They were from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died and she was left with her two sons. These two sons took Moabite wives. The name of one was Ortha, and the name of the other was Ruth. When they had lived there for about 10 years, both Mylion and Chilion also died. So the woman was left without her two sons or her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard that the country of Moab from the country of Moab, that the Lord had consideration for the people and had given them food in Bethlehem. So she set out from that place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud and they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back my daughters, why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back my daughters, go on your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. And then they wept aloud again. Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not press me to leave you, or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. A reading from the Gospel of St. Mark, the 12th chapter, beginning at the 28th verse. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that God is one and beside God there is no other. And to love God with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that the scribe answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. These are our sacred stories. Thanks be to God. The opening lines of Ruth are full of despair. There's a famine in Bethlehem. Families are starving. Bethlehem literally means the house of bread. And Bethlehem has no wheat, no grain, no food. Naomi, her husband, and their two sons flee. They seek asylum across the River Jordan and the non-Israelite land of Moab. In Moab, the family finds food and the sons find wives. And Naomi loves her daughters-in-law, Orpha and Ruth. They have a strong family. And then within five verses, all security is destroyed. The men are all dead. Naomi has no husband and no sons. She has no safeguard, no hope, and no heritage in Moab. Naomi is stripped of every identity that might bring security. She's no longer wife, no longer mother. She learns that the famine in Bethlehem is over and in her grief and desperation, she determines to return. Naomi reveals her plan to her daughters-in-law and entreats them to stay in Moab, to marry again and make a future. Orpha is convinced and she kisses Naomi and then turns back to her family. But Ruth, Ruth clings to Naomi in those words so familiar to us. Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Ruth stays with Naomi and they create a future together. Ruth and Naomi's story is one of risk without the promise of safety, of challenge to the status quo of the patriarchy. It's also a challenge to prejudice. Although the story is set in the time of the judges, scholars believe that it was written after the exiled Jews were sent home to rebuild their temple, their city, their homeland, and to restore their laws, customs, and traditions. Imagine hearing the story of Ruth juxtaposed next to the edicts of Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra and Nehemiah were focused on preserving the ethnic identity of their people. Fear drove them to absolutes and not discussion, to edicts and not exploration. They demanded an immediate end to all Israelite marriages with foreign women. In Ezra, we read, all who had married foreign women were sent away with their children. The women and children were sent away. Or as Nehemiah has it, 
they separated from Israel all those of foreign descent and cleansed them from everything foreign. Ruth is set in contrast to this fear-mongering, to this isolationism, to this exclusion. Ruth the Moabite is the great-great-grandmother of King David. Ruth the Moabite. The scripture rarely gives her name, but it's not followed by the Moabite. There's no question of which Ruth. It's Ruth the Moabite. Ruth's foreign status, her position as refugee in Bethlehem, is not something the story tries to hide. Her difference is displayed on every page. Ruth the Moabite is a source of inspiration and reformation. Ruth prepares the way for inclusion. This is a story in which the decisions of women embody and bring to pass the purposes of God. Prejudice does not win, and Ruth's story reforms minds and hearts toward welcome and inclusion. Ruth, the reformer, was not only a great-great-grandmother of King David, but also an ancestor of Jesus. Jesus was a reformer in his own time. His critics said that he ignored religious laws. In Matthew 5, Jesus rebuts these criticisms and explains that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. You've heard it said, to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. But I say to you that if you're angry with a brother or sister, that you will be liable to judgment. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist the evildoer. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus critiques the religious practices of his time. He offers dissent from within his religious tradition. He declares that fastidiously following the religious code isn't enough. Jesus was not trying to create a new religion. In today's passage, Jesus answers which of the commandments is first of all by saying, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. But these commandments are not original to Jesus. They're directly from the First Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we read these exact words, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, just what Jesus quoted. And Leviticus 19, we read, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. For I am the Lord. It seems to me that Jesus was seeking, just as those who told the story of Ruth, to call people of faith back to the heart of their religion, back to love. Jesus does have harsh words for some of the religious leaders, but this is an insider's critique, a family dispute. Dissent is not disloyalty. Vibrant faith demands critical vigilance, especially from insiders. 
Protestant Reformation that tore through Europe and transformed society began as an insider critique. On October 31st in 1517, when Martin Luther nailed the 95 pieces to the door of the Wittenberg Church, Martin Luther did not mean to be creating something new, but rather he meant to be reforming the faith he practiced. Thanks to the advances in technology, namely the printing press, Luther's ideas spread exponentially further and faster than he could have ever expected. What Karl Barth said of his own unexpected emergence as a reformer could be said equally of Luther. That he was like a man climbing in the darkness a winding staircase in the steeple of an ancient cathedral. In the darkness, he reached out to steady himself and his hand laid hold of a rope. He was startled to hear the clanging of a bell. While it is certainly true that others came before Luther with similar ideas, it was Luther who rang the bell that is still ringing. Ruth, bold and loyal Ruth, paved the way of welcome and inclusion. Her story provided reform and expansiveness. Jesus, that renegade Jewish rabbi of old, questioned the traditions and authorities of his day. He boldly broke laws in the name of love he healed the sick on the Sabbath. He welcomed sinners and ate with them. He extended forgiveness without any payment. He overturned tables and spoke the truth to religious and political powers. Luther and other leaders of the Reformation more than 500 years ago taught us to stand and speak boldly of our convictions. My friends, we are in a long line of Reformation and dissent a long line of creation and critique. Those intrepid souls who formed our church in 1965 were cut from the cloth of reformation. They created a place with a vital faith and a combination of commitment and criticism. They taught us to keep our compass heading in the direction of love. Sailing last weekend in the Gulf of Mexico, I was reminded again of the importance of a compass. When you can see no land and the sun has set and the moon has yet to rise, when waves and water can distort perspective, you rely on your compass. Love of God and love of neighbor, these are our compass headings at Covenant and they have been so for more than 50 years. Love is our way of navigating, and it has kept us ever examining our faith, opening ourselves to interpretations, and always expanding our welcome, our hospitality, our efforts for peace and justice. While stewardship is the focus of October here at Covenant, it is rare year that October 31st, Reformation Day, falls on the last Sunday of stewardship. But here we are, Halloween, Reformation Day, and the last Sunday of our stewardship campaign. We are a congregation who continues to ring the bell of reform. Reform always navigated with the greatest commandments of love of God and love of neighbor. Through our committees, 
the deacons, the council, the staff, the ministry that each one of us takes up as our occupation. We share love. We do love. When we give our money, our time, ourselves to this church, we're giving much more than the resources to pay the power bill and change the light bulbs. This is more than a nonprofit doing good work. This, this thing we do together, this covenant church, this is love enacted. We offer critique and expansiveness within a religion that needs transformation now, perhaps more than ever. We add our voices to others who call for love and inclusion. We stand boldly and proudly and say that love is the point. And so we give to one another in this particular common life because we believe our shared life, our shared work, our shared purse is one way that God's love is made known it's one way that we love God and our neighbors. We give to one another and we join ourselves to those reformers who came before us in jettisoning what is not of love and of reforming our religious lives into life-giving, peacemaking, justice-seeking journeys. Always, always navigate with love. Amen. Amen.